Well, thank you, ladies, for the good singing and the focus upon the Lord. He's the only hope any of us have, so might as well just get used to praising Him and thanking Him for all that He's done and doing and going to do. That's the way we're going to spend heaven together. I don't think it'll be about me and you, I don't think. Where's boasting then? It's excluded. By what law? <laughs> what Paul said in Romans, it's excluded. So, uh, the law of faith. And so, uh, anyway, turn in your Bible this morning, and I want to uh, finish something I think I started here maybe when I first came in the 65th Psalm, Psalm 65. And um, never did. I could be corrected on that. Uh, anymore, I go to pick up my phone and unlock it and go to do something and forget what I was even doing. So, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I've finished this out. Lord laid this on my heart. And um, we had started a... Um, a series of messages on prayer, and um, I think I started here in the first verse and never never came back, and so I feel like the Lord would want me to do that this morning, and um, and so I want to be faithful to do what the Lord wants me to do, not what I want to do. I got a lot on my mind, a lot I'm thinking about, a lot I'd like to preach. I was thinking about a woman today with the issue of blood. And I was thinking about that this morning. You know what helped me, uh, Cyrus, when that verse, I believe Mark's the one that brings it out, when he was in the press. And he's talking about when he was crowded in by all those people, um, he still took time and noticed a poor little old sinner with an issue of blood. And, uh, and I'm glad God wasn't too busy for me. And um, yeah, I'm glad the Lord made time uh, for me, save me, and call me with a holy calling, what the Bible said. And I want to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith I'm called. And, um, and when I don't uh, my, anymore, I think about the best thing to do. You can beat yourself down if you want to. Uh, but I guess the best thing to be to just turn around and praise Him that He still loves you. Uh, and gives you another opportunity to try again. And um, aren't you glad the Lord is, uh, is not counting on your faithfulness. He is faithful and still loves you uh, in all that you are. Appreciate the good testimonies of that too this morning. That's what's been mentioned. Um, but we'll start here and just see where the Lord would take us. We'll read the first verse. And um, I won't really go much into the background and all of that. I've just got kind of something on my mind out of this um, that I want to uh, think the Lord wants to get to. So, first verse, Psalm 65. Uh, Praise waiteth for thee, O God, in Zion. Now, I don't want to go like I normally do and would give uh, more or less... Um, 
uh, expound uh, in detail much there, but just passing practically, I'd like to say uh, that praise does wait for God. Um, we should be uh, prepared and ready. In fact, Jesus said, if I stopped them, the rocks would cry out. And uh, sometimes I think we forget how glorious Christ is. Um, and all that's in heaven and all that's in earth shall one day recognize fully uh, the glory of his power and the glory of his person. And uh, so if we really get a good glimpse of who God is, uh, we'll be ready to praise him. And a lot of times we don't because we are thinking of ourselves. But when you're thinking of the Lord, as the psalmist is doing here, uh, praise waiteth for thee, O God, in Zion. And um, Jesus, uh, if you'll remember now, uh, he told a woman one time, said, neither in this mountain, right? Uh, but the true worshipers of God are going to worship him in spirit and truth. And the Father seeketh such to worship him, Right? And so the time's coming uh, when they don't worship in this mountain. So praise waiteth for thee, O God, and it does, uh, but you don't have to be in Zion to do it. Now, aren't you glad of that? Yes, aren't you glad when you're laying there in your bed or you're sitting at home or you're down, you're disheartened, you're depressed, whatever's going on, you still have a reason to praise the Lord. Yes, praise waiteth for thee, O God. And there's an argument that could be made of a coming time when his feet shall stand again on the Mount of Olives. As one man said, whom my eyes shall behold and not another. And uh, I know my Redeemer liveth and he will stand in the latter days on this earth. He that went away in like manner is going to come again. Right? And uh, so uh, thank the Lord for that. And there is coming a day uh, for that. And that may be. But anyway, let's move on past that. That's not the message this morning. I, I do want to start out in verse number one and just mention the permanent praise. There's, there's always a time to praise the Lord. There's always, uh, it's never a wrong time to praise the Lord. It's always a good thing. It's always uh, a proper thing to praise God for what he's done and for what he'll do. And it said in the next part of the verse, and unto thee shall the vow be performed. Now, there is, uh, again, I think maybe pointing to a future time here, uh, there is coming a time when they are going to be every man, everything in the earth and under the earth and in the heavens are going to fess, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. They're going to recognize his glory and praise him for who he is uh, in some day. So they may not do it now, but there's coming a day when all flesh shall come to him and they will praise him for who he is. It might be too late for some uh, and, uh, but, and it might be, but they're going to praise the Lord for who he is. It's coming today. They will. And say, well, that's hard for me to believe when I see what's going on in our country. Uh, well, I know that. It's hard for us to see that when we see how pitiful a shape we're in. Uh, but when he comes back again, uh, whom the Bible said, who's, uh, uh, from whose face the heavens and the earth fled. They fled from the face of him that sat upon the throne. He's not coming again with sin. He's coming again a second time. He's coming. He's not coming and riding on a little old donkey. He's coming and he's riding on a white horse next time you see him. And he's coming in power and he's going to rule with a rod of iron and he is going to be, and the Bible talks about the wrath of the Lamb when he comes. 
And uh, that's a coming day. I know it's not a popular subject. We don't like to talk about wrath. Uh, but that is just as true as anything else in this Bible. There's coming a day when there's going to be wrath poured out without the mercy of God upon the earth. Uh, the Spirit of God will be withdrawn. That's the only thing he that left but let to be taken out of the way. And then there's coming a time when God will pour out his fury upon the earth and upon all flesh. And uh, so, uh, but anyway, aren't you glad you won't be around for those times? I won't be here, Brother Jones. I'll be gone. And uh, like uh, that one uh, uh, brother that used to sing that all the time, I'll be gone. Uh, Earl uh, Hughes, yeah, Brother Hughes, Brother Earl. Anybody ever heard Earl Hughes preach that or sing that? I'll be gone, and uh, I will be gone. But the last part of that song says, "I'll be back, I'll be back." And uh, so I don't know what you believe, but I know this morning I believe I will be back. I'll be gone, but I'm coming back. Jesus is gone, but He's coming back, and I'm coming back with Him. Aren't you glad of that? Hallelujah. And so unto thee shall the vow be performed. And I don't know anything better for a person to do in this life but to praise the God of heaven. And so uh, we need to pay those vows, the fruit of our lips, and there should be a permanent praise uh, in the people of God uh, for who God is in his person and for what he's done. And so there's a permanent praise. And so the psalmist starts out with the first number, verse number one, praise away for thee, O God, in Zion, and unto thee shall the vow be performed. And then he says this next part in verse number two, which uh, one of my favorite verses, if you think about all that's being uh, said here and all the hope that's been given to people that are in the flesh. Uh, people that are in the flesh having a God that will hear their prayers are, are quite blessed. Whether we uh, understand all that that means or not and all that God has to do in humbling himself to even hear us who are so vile and so low and so wicked. Uh, the Bible even said that of himself. You know that uh, uh, for we know why of course it's speaking of Jesus there uh, for thou uh, are too holy for iniquities and sins. And so uh, the Lord is so holy and high. He humbles himself to behold the things that are in the earth. That's how high God is. And so for him to open his ears and listen to your prayer, you are blessed this morning. And you and I are blessed that God has an ear to hear prayer. Aren't you glad uh, that God hears your prayers this morning? I, we don't just offer up some kind of, you know, we don't just go to God and say words. This is something that is exclusively the, 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 um, the only person, the only God uh, um, that we know that could just uh, hold this title of the one that hears prayer is the God of this Bible. Right? Nobody else living, dead, or gone on, no angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor Satan himself can hear prayer. Right? You find nowhere in the Bible where anybody else hears prayer. You see God dispatching others on the basis of prayer, but there's only one who has the capability to hear prayer. Right? There's no little God. There's no Muhammad. There's no Buddha. There's no, there's nobody else 
else, there's nothing else on earth that can hear the prayers of any person that's ever lived. Only the God of this Bible can hear prayer. And he does hear prayer. Aren't you glad of that? And uh, aren't you glad that just not, uh, I've said this and I was, can't forget, remember who I was talking to, but I, we were saying this and I say this sometimes so I'm not rebuking anybody that's ever said this, but I've said this often. Well, I just, all I can do is pray for you, I guess, you know. As though that's some kind of, you know, weak weapon, you know, that you have in your arsenal there. Uh, man, that ought to be the greatest thing. We ought, to be, we ought to look at prayer and not look at it as some ways like, well, all I can do is pray. Man, you, you'll get a lot more done praying than what you thought you might be able to do. Right? Why? Because it's the God of all heaven and earth and the King of kings and the Lord of lords who's hearing your prayer. Right? It's, it's who's hearing the prayer. So he says unto him, O thou, talking about God, O thou that hearest prayer, you and I are blessed beyond measure that God would hear our prayer. Now answer me this, why don't we pray? God's got an ear that God who created man from the dust of the earth, breathed into his nostrils a breath of life, caused him to fall asleep, took from his rib, making the help me. God who can steal what the Bible said, the noise of the waves of the oceans. God who's able to humble the hearts of all men. God who hung the stars on nothing. God who is able to feed the, uh, to feed the fowls of the air. Who clothes the sun uh, uh, as the sun shineth in his strength. Who called forth the light out of darkness and gave the sun its glory. The God of heaven did through Jesus Christ who all things were created by him and for him and by him all things consist. That God is who on the other end of the line when you bow your knees and you get on your face and pray. You're not praying to somebody who doesn't have the capability. He's not limited in anything. There's nothing you could ask God that he cannot do. An ability now. Don't go, well, I'm asking God to lie. Don't get tricky on me now. You know what? There's nothing that God's not limited in resources and strength and ability and desire. You're praying for your loved ones. You're praying for those in your family to get saved. Does God not desire also to save them to the uttermost? Sure he does. This God, you're praying for me, you're praying for one another, say another Christian, and you want to see them stand perfect in Christ Jesus. Do you not think God wants that? Remember, he's able to keep you from falling and present you before the throne faultless. That's what the Bible says. Does he not have the same desire? <laughs> oh, God, help me. Does God have a desire to help you? So I'm not sure anymore. Well, just get back in your Bible and quit listening to yourself. <laughs> listen to God and listen to yourself a lot less. You'll be all right. Man, God wants to help you. He wants to help me. He wants to save our loved ones. He wants to see people stand perfect in Christ. He has those same desires. Now, I can't say as well. I'm not talking about all that. What I am saying is this, that God's ear is open to your prayer this morning. And I don't know why we take so little advantage and spend so little time in prayer knowing that that's the only way forward. Right? 
And so uh, he, the psalmist starts out here and he says, praise waiteth for thee. We see the permanent praise. But then in verse number two, we see the person of prayer. Now, uh, I want to just say a couple of things because I, I want to get on down the rest of these verses. O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. And uh, uh, again, he, uh, this, this may be pointing uh, there in those first two. Again, it could be pointing to a future time. But he's in time right now talking to God. Oh, thou that hearest prayer. And he says, uh, God, all flesh shall come unto thee. And so he acknowledges the person of prayer, the man, uh, the God of heaven who we're praying to. And so that ought to encourage us some to just remember who it is you're praying to. I mean, sometimes we forget and we go through our little ritual and we've got our little list and we say our little things and we often time through just repetition, we forget who it is we're praying to. <laughs> it's like God's not able to do nothing about it. It's like, well, I, I'm saying this because I know I'm supposed to do it. Well, have you ever sat down and thought who it is you're talking to about what you're needing? Are you praying at all? I think that's probably the biggest problem. So God, and I appreciate these testimonies just been on my heart this morning too. God, see the Bible said he was made of a woman, made under the law. And the dispensation of the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, right? To redeem them that were under the law. Did, did, did God do that? Did God not send his son and his son said, Lo, I come and the volume of this book is written to me and he came to do the will of God and he performed it and he perfected it perfectly and died and went in the heart of the earth three nights and came up by his own power. Is that what Jesus did to save you from hell? Is that how you're standing? By faith? Is that all that he did? Is that all he did? I've been thinking about that verse. I preached it the other night and mentioned it. And I was thinking a lot about this, Brother Jones. That he's consecrated for us a new and a living way. By his blood, a way into the holiest of all. And what, what we take so little advantage of, and I, I'm not preaching at anybody this morning. I'm just preaching what's on my heart. I, I think of this often myself is God didn't just save me from the wrath that is to come. And hey, that's enough to praise him for. But he also saved me and cleared out everything in between me and him that I could come right into his presence and spend time with him. No wonder that little sinner just couldn't even lift his head up to heaven and just say, God, just please be merciful to me. He couldn't even lift his head up. He felt so low. Anybody ever feel that way? You just feel so low, can't hardly lift your head up. And, uh, and I get to thinking about prayer and this, the psalmist here crying out, Oh, thou that hears prayer. Sometimes we're shallow in our, in our thinking. I know we are in our praying. Because I don't know that we believe half of what we're saying. I'm not sure we really believe God's even interested in doing what we're asking. I'm not sure we've even took the time to really think about it at all. I think we're doing it because we've got to check it off, remember? Because somebody, you know, might think we're not saved if we don't pray and read our Bible. So we've got to check that off that checklist, see? 
What a shallow relationship to have, really. Man, there's more for you in God than that. Does anybody have anybody in their life they just really enjoy spending time with? Just really enjoy talking on the phone to? Now, I love all of God's people. I do. I really do. Um, but, the, you know, there's some special people that you just click with, I guess you would say, right, in fellowship. It's not that you don't enjoy others in, at all. It's just, you know, seems like ones in your life that God puts in your path. And, and uh, man, you just enjoy spending time with them. But could you imagine the God of heaven? Because this is who I believe is saying this in the Song of Solomon, that he loves to hear our voice. Can you imagine that? You imagine God loving you so much, not only that he would just save you as some sort of like objective, invisible spirit that exists in some realm that dwelleth in the north. God's up there, right? That's where God is. He, he, he dwells in a light which no man can approach, and he's in, he's in, he's in the north, right? So, so we know God's up and hell's beneath but yet, that, that's how we often view our relationship with God, when that's not really it, is it? God's, God's not up there only, right? But we have that idea that we're going out through life and we're, and we're, and we're just, we're just uh, uh, conducting our life and we're living. And then, uh, uh, oh, I, I forgot to call God. I better call God. So if I don't, he's going to be mad at me. Is he going to? As if we treat God like he's another member of the church. Well, I better call God. If he don't, he's not going to bless me today. Now, to me, I, I've been, like I said, I am not a, I'm just thinking, I'm thinking about myself. Why do I do what I do? Is that not the Christian life more important than what you're doing? Is the intent, for God searches the hearts, tries the reins of a man. He knows everything. For this word of God is quick and powerful. So many churches, piercing the vine, so this a discern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so, why you do something is just as important as why as what it is that you're doing, is it not? So, do we stop and think when we're praying and we're asking God? I, one thing I've been thinking: God save souls. God uh, bless the, the jubilee that's coming up. Help these priests. God save so and so. God help sister so and so. Do we really believe that God can do that? Or are we just making our call in to God, check up on God, and lay out our list of requests, and then going on about our way? That's how most of us live our Christian life, don't we? And that's kind of a shallow, I, 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 again, I'm not attacking anybody because we get caught up in the affairs of this life. That's why he said no soldier will entangle himself with the affairs of this life. You can't be a good soldier and caught up in the affairs of this world. And so uh, we're missing out on something and walking in that spirit and praying without ceasing. We're missing something uh, of all of that, certainly. But I think it goes deeper than that. It goes into the intent of the heart. I, I, you, I, I, know, I know religious people that aren't even saved that probably follow more commandments and more. Uh, uh, man, if they don't pray, they're not going to be saved. They're living under the law. So. Praying don't make you saved, does it? So what, what is God's purpose when he, when he saved you? Well, that verse said in Hebrews 10 why he came, to sanctify them, right? So the word he used there is to sanctify. 
So because he goes on down the end when it, when he says about by the which will we are sanctified, and he's perfected forever them that are sanctified. He uses that word sanctified. Now that word to me, and we we preach it this way, and it's right. It's a it's a separation from unto God. That is separation. It's not just the things you don't do. It's the things, it's, it's, it's a turning from unto, right? That's penance to just turn away from something. That's not going to do you any good. Catholics do that, right? That's just penance. Repentance is a turning from unto. So he uses that word, uh, uh, um, uh, well, he goes on to consecrate a living way. And that, and that one, and he's talking about sanctified, okay? So we know what sanctified is. Sanctified means to be set apart, Right? So if God sanctified you and perfected you forever, I know you don't feel perfect. <laughs> and I'm not trying to encourage anybody in their sin, but can I encourage you if you're saved? You are perfect. Get your chin up, you're perfect. <laughs> Gonna be, but you are. Isn't that strange? Okay, so he says sanctified. So, okay, so in those verses he said uh, that, he, that he sanctified uh, us. Okay, so we know that that is uh, to, to, um, to uh, uh, take out from among and to set aside for his use, right? That's the way it's mostly presented. But I, 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 literally, I don't think it's like this. I don't think it's like you're in the cloud. I need somebody else to fool with out here. Uh, come on. I don't think it's like this. This adds nothing to the, to the whole message. We're going to do it anyway. So like y'all in the crowd here and you're in the world with all these worldlies, these preachers, kids, you got to watch them. And, and actual young preachers, you got to watch them. Amen. No, I'm kidding. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And so I don't think it's literally, I don't, I don't think it's all it's saying is, okay, so, so you're in the world, you're in sin, you're part of the world system, and God saves you and he sanctifies you. He sets you apart from that. And then remember, God's in the north. So God's still up here, but there you are over there all by yourself. Just God sets you apart and sanctifies you, cleans you up, cleans your life up, establishes you going, give you a new song in your mouth. He put new praises in you, done all this stuff for you. But he's just, he separated you out. That's not what he's done. He separated you out unto himself, right? So we're sanctified, we're set apart unto God. We're walking and talking with God. That's how we live the Christian life. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't think like that often. We, we think God's up there and I'm living this life. I'm going to work. I'm getting up. I'm, I'm trying to do my best. I'm trying not to slap anybody. I'm trying, I'm trying to, somebody wrote me a note and said they felt like slapping somebody too. Made me feel so much better. And, uh, and, uh, and so, you know, you're getting up every day. You're trying to love your wife as Christ loved the church. You're trying to raise your children and have the fear of the Lord. You're trying to go to work and do your job and be a good witness, be an example to people. I mean, you're doing all these things. You're dealing with all these problems and your troubles on every side and, and uh, all those things that are going on. And, and, and you just operate unconscious of the fact that God has separated you unto himself. Amen. So you don't fit in the world. You go to work, but you don't fit in with nobody because they're all lost. And God sanctified. He sets you apart from that. Right? So you, you go through it. You, you go through the motions and you're, you're there, but you're not a part of it. It's like you're just, it's almost like you're in a dream sometimes. Anybody ever feel that way? It's almost like you're just, you're just going through it, but you don't fit in anywhere. Especially out there is what I'm saying. I fit in good in here with God's people. 
But, uh, and so we just, we, this, this is just our minds. You ever heard somebody uh, talk about being God conscious? I mean, I, I think about that a lot, Brother Jones, when I'm trying to live my life, I'm just not conscious of the fact that God's not separated in a distance from me. Right? And so... Uh, we just go along and think, okay, God, you've you've picked, you've plucked me up out of the uh, 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 out of the world, and you've set me apart over here. And uh, now you put me in a church. I, I'm part of the church. He's put me in a new family. Give me a new family. Put me in the church. And but God's still not over there. While the church is over here, is he? He's with us. So we're, we're going through life and we're just not conscious of the fact. And, and that's why the Bible talks about uh, to be careful not to grieve the Spirit of God. Don't take the Spirit of God please, because He's with you always. Amen. Even unto the end. Amen. <laughs> the end of time. Amen. There's no end in eternity. Well, right? Well, but to the end. And so, so we're just, uh, I, I, a lot of times we're just not conscious. When, 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 when we're praying, we're not thinking about, we just, we're just doing it because it's, it's right to do. We go through the function. But I think we need, to, we need to step back sometimes and just really think about who it is we're approaching. Do you ever think about when you go to pray who it is you're approaching to and how you got there? Does anybody ever remember? I don't know, I'm kind of rambling a little bit. Does anybody ever remember? Do you remember when God first saved you? Amen. And I'm thinking right now, the first time I went, I walked into Calvary Baptist Church when God saved me. And the uh, first time I ever walked in that church, Brother Jones, I felt so unworthy to be there. Amen. I thought everybody in this building is perfect. They're right with God. They're worshiping God. And. Uh, I felt so unworthy to be there. Does anybody remember what I'm talking about? I mean, that's happened to me since I've been saved. And, and just thought about it. I go into church and you sit there and people love you and they've been good to you. Man, you just feel unworthy to even be there. Ever have thought, if they knew what I really was, what I really used to be, you ever have thoughts like that? wonder if they would love me. And so... I remember that feeling of going in that first time and sitting there and feeling so unworthy. You, you know, we ought to feel a little bit of that when we go to God. Yes. Now, he said come to us boldly. I'm not saying we, we, we go to him like, we, like we're, we're ashamed to be there. That's not what I'm saying. But if we really sit by and the year keep his eye died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. I mean, when John the Revelator, when he saw Jesus, what happened to him? He fell as big as dead. I mean, any man that, that, that saw Christ and his resurrection glory, at least, uh, fell at his feet uh, as a dead man, really, thinking even a man that he thought looking like the Son of God. So when we think about it and we, we go to pray, it ought to, it, we ought to take a little bit of time to step back and think, man, God, I want to thank you for allowing me and paving the way for me to come before your presence because I shouldn't be here. Right. But by grace, in the work and the person of Christ, he has made a way for you right into the very presence of almighty, holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. And now, oh, now that here's prayer. Not only, remember he said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. You've, you've made a great mistake. You thought I was like you. Isn't that what he said one time? He's not like you. He's not like me. He hates sin. 
and he has no understanding of it, no comprehension of it, no approval of it. Right. And so, you come before him and you think about who he is in his, in his person and his holiness. But when you think about when you come before him and you go to pray and you go to uh, uh, seek God for something, do you really believe? I mean, we, we, we got to think about this here for a minute. I think most of the time when we pray, we don't even believe God is even hearing us, let alone can do or wants to do what we're asking him to do. Now, that is failing God. He's capable of so much more. And we go to him, and, and, and really we're judging that based on the results that we see. So we've been praying for this person, and we don't see something happen. And so we get put out, and we think, well, they, they probably not much to this, but I don't know. I'm really afraid to say that. So I'll go ahead and pray anyway. Come on, anybody ever, ever have these thoughts? You pray for something for years, and it's like God don't even hear you, let alone do anything. And so we judge God by that. And so then the next time, it's like uh, 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 we've been talking about being a good friend, being faithful to one another. Well, we just give up on God. Right, man. Oh, no, we don't do it publicly. We still come down here and pray. We'll still come to altar prayer. We'll still come to the prayer room. We'll still bow our knee at home. We'll still pray. Uh, but in our heart, we've really done to, done to God what we do to each other. Right. It's like we don't have confidence in God anymore. Right. God don't want to help me. <laughs> Why, why do we believe a lie like that? God don't want to help you. Amen. He let a man nearly beat him to death, had to lay his life down for it to be taken anyhow, Amen. just to save your wretched soul. And God don't want to help you. Right. Oh, thou that hears prayer. Amen. The only one capable of saving your kids or your grandkids is the one you're praying to. Amen. Oh, thou that hears prayer. I believe God hears the prayer. Can I, can, so can I give you these? I was just thinking about a few times, a couple of verses, just to maybe encourage you a little. Uh, I don't, uh, you know, let, me, let me give you these three, and then we'll go on. Oh, thou that hears prayer. Get, uh, let, let, well, let me say this. And we turn to these verses quickly. But he hears the call of sinners. And aren't you glad that when you pray... When you go to people and you tell them the gospel, anybody ever been a part of leading somebody to the Lord? We call it leading people to the Lord. You don't, you don't understand what I'm saying. When they're down there on the altar or they're at their bedside or you've led your kids to the Lord. Isn't it good to know when they, when they cry out and say, God save me. Isn't it wonderful to know there's a God in the heavens that will hear that little sinner pray. And you may be in here this morning. You may be lost without God. You know your law. And you might think, well, God won't hear me. Can I tell you, God's heard the prayers of people a whole lot worse than you are. God will hear the call of sinners. Aren't you glad of that? Now, turn over with me and just look at this one quickly because we got to move a little quicker here. But he said this in Isaiah 55. I'll read it and, and, and then read you one more and then we'll move on. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And our God for he will abundantly pardon. So here he's telling sinners, call upon me. 
Now, God's not going to command people to call on them and then not listen to them. So isn't that good to know? Now you can turn to Luke 18. We can read this quickly. I, I, need, I need to move this quicker. I want to get these next ones real quick. And try to, I just want to encourage you this morning with these verses. God's helped me with. that. We, uh, we know that he hears the call of sinners. Look at Luke chapter number 18. And we can quoted this already. Can we just read this? Let's read this story. It's been a little bit. Okay, so... And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Boy, what an ugly person that is. Somebody that trusts in themselves that they are righteous. You want to get hurt quick. Spend some time with somebody that's self-righteous. And despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are extortioners, unjust adulterers, even this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbled himself shall be exalted. God heard the cry of a humble man, and he got mercy, and he was justified. Now let's go on quicker. All right, so he hears the call of sinners, he hears the cries of the saints. Look at First uh, Peter 3.12. You know these verses. You still got confidence God hears you? Let's see. I'm like Brother Goldston. James ain't going to do it. I'm in James. Let's get in 1 Peter 3.12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. Now, based on what we just read in Luke, surely it's not over the self-righteous. So, who's the righteous here that he'd be talking about? It'd have to be those that have imputed righteousness. The saved, the redeemed. So if his eyes, look at that verse again, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So God not only hears the cries of the sinners, he hears the, cries, he hears the call of sinners, he hears the cries of saints in First Peter. And then I want to mention this quick, and I'm going to go, the concerns of his son. And we know the verses, I'll just give them to you quickly. Uh, but in John chapter number 17, you remember uh, the prayer there that Jesus gave on your behalf, he ever liveth to make intercession for you. We dealt with some of that uh, in, the, in the friends, but he hears the concerns of his son. You remember he said at one time, Lord, uh, I, I know you always hear me, Father, but I did it for their sake. And so he hears the concerns of his son. Those, so we see the permanent praise. We see a, the person of prayer. O thou that hearest prayer unto thee shall all flesh come. Iniquities prevail against me. I'm in verse number three now. I'm back in Psalm 65. Let me just give this and we'll go. All right, so Psalm 65, verse number three. Iniquities prevail against me. Now, so I, I gave this title to it. But in this prayer that we see here, because that's what it is, 
Right? He's talking to God, O oh, thou that hearest pray. When it says thou, that's per- he's talking to God. And he says this, he says in verse number three that he has a prevailing problem. So can I, can I talk to you about something here just a moment? And I want, I want to talk to you just a minute about the prevailing problem of sin in the life of a Christian. Now, we won't have to deal with them because if we took, uh, tried to uh, uh, mention all the different, you can't even do it. Uh, but you know the ones that are in your life, right? That's why the Bible says, lay aside the weights and the sins that does so easily beset us. Yes. Yours besetting sins aren't mine and mine aren't yours. But you know what yours are and I know what mine are, right? Amen. All right, so uh, the psalmist here says, iniquities prevail against me. As, as anybody, as a Christian now, got to get you for lying, don't lie now. Has anybody felt like that sin was prevailing against them as a Christian? Sure we have. He resisted under blood, striving against sin. We're all striving against it. If you're saved, you're striving against it. God's ruined you for this world. Right? You can't enjoy sin like you used to. You don't even want to, really, in your heart, though your flesh wins often. But a Christian can have sins that he allows in his life to prevail against it. That's an uncomfortable truth that we don't like to talk about, but the fact is, that's the truth. We like to pretend like it doesn't, but how many of us are perfect and we've overcome those things? There's things I overcame years ago that'll creep back up later on down the road and you know they do. Now, the Bible says how that we are dead to sin. So we're not under bondage to that anymore. We're not, we're not, uh, we're not uh, uh, having an excuse, right? Because he's given a way of escape. We don't have to sin. Sin doesn't prevail against me because, because it's too powerful for the, the God that lives in me. Sin might prevail against me because I allow it to. Right? Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. If, he, if you could not have sin as a Christian reigning in your life, reigning in your mortal flesh, why would there be a warning telling you don't let sin have dominion over your life? Don't let it control you anymore. God would not tell you not to let sin control you unless it was possible for you to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Do you believe God? I believe it. Do you believe it? I got a lot of problem with myself, but I don't have no problem with him. What he said, it's the truth. You believe this book's the truth? Did God say you could walk in the spirit and not fulfill those lusts? Did God not say by the exceeding greatness of his power? Did he, not, did he not say that he conforming you to an image and he begun a good work in you and he will perform it? And you know how he's performing it? By the spirit that's in you. So if that's what the book said, then there's a disconnect somewhere. If sin as a Christian is reigning in my life, there's a breakdown somewhere because God said it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be that way. So that must be, that must mean that there is a power upon which I can draw from to, uh, to keep me from letting sin reign in my body. 
Now, often what he's, what, he, what he's saying there is, uh, oftentimes, it'll, it'll, it'll be one dominant thing in your life. I don't, I don't think you could go a whole day and not commit one single sin. Right? Because your flesh. Even thoughts that are unholy. That you don't even mean, they just come. So, but I'm talking about intentional things, willful things. And, and, and so if there is a promise in the Bible that when God saves a man, he puts a power in him and he said, overcome the world by faith. Then so if the breakdown's not on God's end, the breakdown must be on my side, right? Pretty basic stuff here. And so if sin is ruling and reigning in my body, can I tell you first step number one, can I, can I just give you just some practical things here? Cause I, I don't have the time to, to deal, but can I, can I try to help you this morning? If you feel like I, I am a Christian, I am saved, I'm born again, but there is something that's dominating my life and I try to give it to God every single day. And it seems like it's just wave after wave. It just comes right back on top of it. And I can't seem to overcome this in my life. I believe a Christian can get that way. But I don't believe it's because God shorted him something when he saved him. I don't believe that. So I just, I just want to say something here because I've got a bunch of other verses and I just I don't, I don't think that's where I need to be. But I, I do want to try to say this because I know uh, what a miserable place that can be. You know why it's such a miserable place uh, to be? It's because that one of the first things that you'll do is you'll just give in to it. The battle gets too tough. And it's like I can't overcome it. So what's the point? God's not listening. I tried to pray to him. I tried to ask him to help me. He's not listening. He's not helping me overcome it. How do you think God's going to help you overcome it? See, what you want is you want God to do all the work, right? We, we like treat God like the drive through over here at Taco Bell for all y'all don't eat right. And, uh, and uh, so we treat God like the drive through or we treat him like the pharmacy. We go in there, okay, God, I've got a problem. I, I got a problem with uh, um, uh, lust or, or, or uh, I got a problem with my tongue. Or, and so give me that prescription and I'll take it and it'll all be done and I won't ever do it again. That's what we want. That's what we think about. And that's what we expect from God. And when he doesn't do it, we blame God with it. (laughs) God put everything in you that you need to overcome the world. And God's given you every tool necessary for you to live holy. And uh, so if there's something dominating my life like that, one of the first things I had to be careful to do is not to charge God foolishly, right? Like Job didn't charge God foolishly. Don't charge God. God didn't cause it. And God's not keeping something back from you so that you'll just dwell in it and just watch you rot in the midst of some kind of sin. He didn't do that to you when he saved you. He's not going to do that to you when you are saved. Hey, if he was going to leave you in sin, he'd have left you in sin before he bought you. So... I mean, do you, do you think sometimes how we think about God? I mean, how, how many of you uh, would, would think much of me as a dad if I just, if I had all the resources necessary to help Tyler and I just watch him drown? That's my son. You wouldn't think a lot of me, would you? But that's how we feel about God. We won't admit it a lot of times. 
God, God won't help me. He won't do this. God, won't, I've asked God to, to change this in my life. I prayed about this one thing. God won't do it. And so we charge God as though there's some kind of unrighteousness with God. <laughs> you know, and it's easy. And it's easy. I mean, it's, it's easy preaching. It's hard living. But the prescription uh, for it. Well, let me, let me say this before I. Can I, can I tell you this also? Don't, you're, what you won't get ahead in, you won't get ahead by being dishonest about it. Amen. What most fundamentalists do is pretend like it's not even there. Pretend like it's not a problem. You ain't going to get no help with that. But if you've come to a place where you're honest and you're honest before God and you know this problem's in your life and you're struggling with this area in your life and you're honest with God and say, God, you know this is a problem in my life. You know this is a problem in my heart. I need you to help me with this. If you got to that point, you're in a good place. Amen. You're not going to get ahead by sitting there going, God, I'm just a miserable, no good for nothing. I just quit. Right. Well, go ahead and quit. Do us now well to be angry. You loved that little old gourd, didn't you? Hey, can I, can I try to encourage you just a little bit if I can? Would you cheer up just a little bit for a moment? Yes, you are a complete failure. In your flesh, there's nothing good. But God wants to help you overcome this. He does not want any Christian to be overcome. He does not want us to have prevailing iniquities in our life. But he knows they exist. That's why he said lay them aside and put on the new man. Is that what the book said? So, if God doesn't want this thing ruling and reigning in your life... And that's the word reign, right? To rule over. Don't, don't let it be your boss. Right. He said sin doesn't have dominion over you anymore. Right. You're free. You're free. You're at liberty. Yes. You don't have to sin. You, I know we try to say that because we feel like in our person, we feel like there's something there. There's just something that's forcing us that way. But God's got a way of escape for every single time. You say, well, I just couldn't help but go to that because of some feeling that I'm having inside of me. I'm dealing with these emotions. I'm dealing with whatever. I'm a teenager and maybe I'm dealing with such and such thing in my life uh, as a young person. And so I, I didn't have a choice but to go look at these things. You're a liar. Your problem's not looking at things you shouldn't. Your problem is you're a liar. <laughs> That's your biggest problem. Because God said he'd give you a way out. So, can I tell you, what you, you won't get ahead just hiding it. And, and you, won't, you, you will never get ahead. You will never get, a, get ahead of this thing by just beating yourself down either. Because as you start beating yourself down, here you go. You're going to go down and down and down. That thing's never going to end. Your only hope is do like this man. And he cried out to God and said, Oh God, oh thou that hearest prayer. Can, can I ask you this? If you've got things that are just ruling and reigning in your life, you've got some sins or a sin or a particular sin and you're saved now and you've got something in your life that you've been dealing with that you cannot put out. Can I, can I, can I ask you something? How much time do you really spend praying about that? In faith, believing God even wants to help you and can help you. Because I'd really say at the end of the thing, other than just feeling sorry for yourself and having some emotional uh, fits every now and then, I'd say you're not really prevailing in prayer. You're not really praying. Prayer takes faith. Right? And so getting emotional because I'm a failure, not just, God, that's not prayer. That's you having a pity party acting like a three-year-old. 
And if I saw a kid at Walmart doing that, I'd want somebody to take a stick to them. And so probably God probably just going to take a stick to you if you start acting that way. Hey, lighten up a little bit. There's nothing to be joking about with seeing. I'm not trying to make that funny. But I'm telling you, I have watched people literally drive themselves to near the point of suicide because they couldn't overcome something in their life. That's not going to be the way out. Killing yourself over it ain't going to help nothing, is it? That's not going to bring any glory to God. That's really the coward's selfish way out, isn't it? So what, what did the psalmist do here? Well, he praised him. He goes to him in prayer, recognizing the person of prayer. Oh, thou that hears prayer. And then he talks about these prevailing problems. Now, read with me again. Oh, I've I preached too slow. Uh, Read with me again verse 3, and then we'll go on here. Chapter 66, also he talks about some things about regarding iniquity in my heart. The Lord will not hear me. I, I understand that. Uh, he comes to him, and he's honest. Look at verse number 3. Iniquities prevail against me. As for our transgressions, thou shalt purge them away. I want to be, I'm trying to be extremely careful. I take this stuff, this is so serious. This matter of sin in people's lives, it's serious. And I wouldn't ever want to say anything that would make light of, but if I could just, if this helps you at all, when you, when you think about these iniquities that are prevailing against me. And he's honest before God and he said, look, this thing's winning. Is that what he's saying? Lord, I'm, I, I, I am trying to do this. I, I'm telling you, the battle that I went through for probably 12 or 13 years to get up early in the morning before my day and spend what I felt like was a, was a, was a valuable time with the Lord. That almost drove me crazy. Now, is it right to give God the first fruits of your day? Yes. You better believe that's right. Early will I seek thee. Don't give God the leftovers. It's right to do. But you're not getting anywhere driving yourself to the point you won't kill yourself. Over. I mean, driving yourself crazy over it, that's not helping nothing. You can't do the same thing over and over and speak anything different. You're going to have to change tactics here a little bit. So he said, he, he goes to me and said, now God, look, you know me. You know that there's something in my life that is prevailing against me. But you know what? The, one of the first things I try to remember, and I'm trying to encourage you to remember this, and this is not to encourage you to continue on in your sin by any means. You all know me better than that. But you know what he reminds himself of? And can I remind you on this Sunday morning before we go home? God will purge your iniquities away if you're saved. Don't let it drive you to despair. Let it drive you to rejoicing that God, I know I'm a failure. I know I'm miserable and I'm going to die trying not to let this stuff prevail against me any longer. But I want to thank you that though those things prevail over me, you promise to purge my iniquities. 
And keep fighting against it. That's not what I'm saying. But what you don't need to do is start getting a bad attitude and start thinking wrong towards God. You need what we, you and I need to do is remember who the one the problem is and who's provided the help. And we need to remember God promised to purge your iniquities. Not to encourage you to do any more of them. But man, it'll help you just every now and then and just bow your head after you've been fighting and fighting and fighting the flesh and the devil and you just, you just had to raise your head and say, God, I know what they, I may never get it fixed in this life, but I know that I'm going to stand before you having my sins and iniquities purged. <laughs> Encourage yourself some in the Lord. You're not going to get ahead like this. You're not going to get anywhere with this, you need to renewed in your mind and you're just constantly negatively thinking negative and just tearing yourself down, tearing everything down. Oh, it's, and, and then before you know it, you're tearing God down. Like God shortchanged you. Listen, if you're failing God somewhere, you are the sole owner of that problem. <laughs> so when you go to God, Remember who it is you're going to. Remember the person of prayer. And when you go to him, there's only one place that I know. God doesn't make deals with sin. God doesn't put you on a six-month program. Right? If, I mean, if God comes to me, tells me to quit smoking, he don't put me on the six-month Nicorette patch. God's got one answer for sin. He didn't come down and just fool around. He crucified it. Right? And the body of his son. God's got one answer, and it's not just a scenario. God has got one answer. You and I, if we'll remember the person who's praying, and we'll go to God and really pray, and not just have these emotional outbursts, but I'm talking about really be concerned with how you are treating the God of heaven, and bow and actually pray, you might get somewhere. The problem is that you're not saying words. The problem is we're probably not really praying. We don't recognize who we're praying to. And then we, we get selfish because we, 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 we thrown in five minutes, you know, somewhere at the end of the day. Now I lay me down to sleep, you know, and don't let the big buds bite. And God, you won't help me with this. <laughs> well, it doesn't sound like you're too serious about fixing it, does it? Because if you're really serious about it, the only hope you've got is to take it to God in prayer. The only hope you've got is his power. You can't do it. Right? You couldn't do it when you were lost. You couldn't do it with your lost sin. You can't do nothing with what you've got now. It's going to be through God, right? Well, I'm done, but I've just been thinking a lot about prayer. And if we're really going to make any progress when we're praying, we're going to, we need renewed in our mind and our thinking some. I almost... I'm scared to think about how some people think about God. And listen, they, they, there's plenty of people, there's plenty of Christians that it's, it, it's not that they're throwing five minutes at the end of the day. They're not praying at all. And if we want to have victory over these iniquities and things in our life, we're going to have to get serious about praying. And say, well, preacher, I, I spend 10 minutes every morning. And that's good for you. I don't care if you spend six hours if you're not really praying. 
You know there's been times that I bowed my head and I've been in prayer and I, I don't think that I was, I don't think it got above the ceiling. Now you can think what you want to, but I, I, there's been times, Brother Jones, I've got down to pray and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't even think God heard me. Because you know in my heart what I was thinking? It certainly wasn't, oh thou that hears prayer. Well, we're done with verse 3 and then we'll come back later. But he knows with this prevailing problem there's a permanent purging. Thou shalt purge them away. And so I'm done. I wish I wouldn't. I feel like I didn't even get started. But can I just help you from that one verse there in verse number three? Iniquities prevail against me. As for our transgressions, thou shalt purge them away. And you know what I feel like he's saying there? I feel like he's encouraging himself. It's almost like, you know who's the accuser of the brethren, right? And so um, the devil's accusing you day and night before. That's what Revelation talks about, does it not? He's the accuser of the brethren. And uh, I, I feel like at times we need to get a little bit of this. It's not that we need more confidence in us. We need more confidence in God. We, we sell ourselves short. We need to have more confidence in God. Do you know God can help you with the things that are dominating your life in here? Do you believe that? And you know what? Even if he don't, even if it, even if you're not able to do it, can I tell you? Can I give you just a little bit of hope to keep on fighting all the way to the end? There's coming a day when they'll all be purged out before him. When you when you try to go to him and say, God, this is a prevail, and he says, What's sin? Right? When we stand before him. Keep fighting. Don't quit. Keep going to God. Keep fighting against it. If you have to die trying, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Fight it every day of your life. But don't get bitter. Don't give in. Don't give up. Keep fighting against it till God takes you home. I am not going to let Satan have the victory in my life. That's what. That's the kind of. You just got to get some grit about you, friend. Believe God. <laughs> Well, so look at that next part. Oh, no, we can't. Let's, let's go. Come on, Brother Reeve, Miss Snow. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. <laughs> I'm not, please, please don't think I'm trying to encourage him. And in their sin, I'm trying to encourage you out of it. And you know what I found, Brother Jones, sometimes? It's not just sit back and let God fix your problems. That's not what I'm advocating. But I, but I am saying this. There is times that I go, when I go to God and I pray and I'm pouring out my soul and I'm saying, oh, God, help me not to think this way or help me not to say this or whatever it is in my life. And, I, and I'm just pouring all that out before God. It encourages my heart to know that I'm going to stand before him perfect one day. And those things are not going to prevail over me anymore. There's not going to be anything that's going to be able to get to me. This flesh will be gone and I'll awaken thy likeness and I'll be able to have that perfect 
goodness that, I, that, that I'm wanting, that I hope for, that hope of righteousness by faith. That's what I'm looking for. And when you, when you go to God with all your problems and all your troubles and all your heartaches and your iniquities, you have got to have some faith in God, friend. There's coming a day God's going to purge it. But let me say this, at the same time, there's no glory and honor being brought to God by just sitting back and saying, well, God forgives them. Once saved, always saved. God knows how I am. I'm just a good old boy. I can't stand when people say that. They're usually not when they say that. No, I'm a wicked old boy. It's what would be the better thing to say with it. And so, can I just encourage you to get your mind on God, go to God, and really pray like this man prayed. Really go to God, believe in God, and think about who it is you're praying to, or who it is you're asking these things of. We, we, we need to have a renewed mind in this matter of prayer. We're going to come, we're going to pray, and we're going to pray that month or month and a half, whatever it is for Jubilee, that God would help in that meeting, all the things we're wanting to see Him do, save loved ones and all of that. But it'll be pointless if we just show up so that nobody will talk about us. I don't want the preacher to get up there and preach against me, so I'm going to go. Please stay home. Please don't come. Please don't bring that spirit in here. It's pretty bad to think I would do that. You don't have a very high opinion of me, do you? Hey, I'm done, but if we really come believe in God, there's no telling what God would do. Do you believe that? Can I ask you this? Stand to your feet. Can I ask you this? Do you even want out of these sins that are in your life? Do you even want God to fix it? My fear is a lot of us have just gotten comfortable with it. God's not killed us, so we feel okay by it. That pretty much shows how bad off we are, but I just want to encourage you to go to the Lord. Lord, we love you. Please help us. There be any here lost, help them, Lord, please, to see the Lord that loves them, gave himself for them, and help them to see you high and lifted up. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need to come, you come.